Hello and welcome to the My VA Dayton podcast coming to you from Dayton, Ohio. This is the show where we talk with veterans in the Western Ohio region to share their stories and share what's happening at the Dayton VA Medical Center. I'm Scott Lease, your host with co-host Greg Tucker. Today we have two remarkable guests, a husband and wife, who have dedicated their lives to supporting fellow veterans and their caregivers. Their journey is truly inspiring. Our first guest is Steve Mulliken, a Navy veteran who was medically retired in 1995 after serving for 10 years as a nuclear engineer. Steve returned uh, from Desert Storm with an unexpected neurological symptom that persisted for years. His health took a significant hit, leading him to rely on a wheelchair and a multitude of medications. But Steve's story is one of resilience and hope. Steve's caregiver and partner in this incredible journey is Valerie. She became his full-time caregiver, but as time went on, she realized the need to empower Steve and herself towards healthier lifestyle and marriage. Their story took a turn in 2005 when they separated for six months, only to return to each other with newfound strength and determination. Valerie's dedication to Steve's well-being and her passion for helping others in similar situations led her to pursue a formal education in healthcare. Today, she serves as an unpaid not-for-profit director, working tirelessly to mentor and support veterans and caregivers seeking a better quality of life. Together, they have not only overcome significant challenges, but have also used their experience to launch a nonprofit in late 2019, focusing on mentoring others in their quest for a better life. They firmly believe in the quality of care provided by the Dayton and Cincinnati VA Medical Centers, which have been instrumental in their journey. Steve and Valerie's unwavering faith and positive outlook have not only helped them navigate their own struggles, but have also become a source of inspiration for other veterans, caregivers, and their extended family members. They are advocates for staying focused on gaining a quality of life, and their story reminds us that hope and resilience can lead to remarkable transformations. And with that, let's welcome Steve and Valerie to the My VA Dayton podcast. Thank you both for joining us today. You know, your journey is truly inspiring, and we want to and we can't wait to hear more about it. That's right. It's time to play Don't Tell Me I Think I Know That. It's time! That's right. It's time to play Don't Tell Me I Think I Know That. This is the game where we put our guests to the test of their knowledge of military trivia. It's also a game where our listeners can play along to see if their minds are mired in the balance of military minutia as ours are. Are you folks ready to take this challenge? All right. So here's your first question. What is the largest branch of the United States military? Would it be A, the Army, B, the Navy, C, the Air Force, or D, the Marines? That would be B. That was in the Navy. Correct answer. So, yes. That's right. The United States Navy is the maritime service branch of the United States Armed Forces and one of the eight uniformed services of the United States. It's the largest and most powerful Navy in the world, with the estimated tonnage of its active battle fleet alone exceeding the next 13 navies combined. So, got to answer your next question is now where it's uh, 
The next question is, what is the primary mission of aircraft carriers in the U.S. Navy? Would it be A, submarine warfare, B, group troop deployment, C, power projection and sea control, or D, aerial reconnaissance? It's C. C, that's the correct answer. Power projection and sea control. That's right. Aircraft carriers serve as a seagoing airbase equipped with a full-length flight deck and facilities for carrying, arming, deploying, and recovering aircraft independent of local bases. Now, you guys are doing fantastic. Here's your third and final question. What is the highest enlisted rank in the U.S. Navy? Would it be A, Chief Petty Officer, B, Senior Chief Petty Officer, C, Petty Officer First Class, or D, Master Chief Petty Officer? <laughs> well, we know the answer, so... <laughs> it's going to be D. That's right, Master Chief Petty Officer. The Master Chief Petty Officer of the Navy is a unique non-commissioned rank and position of office of the United States Navy, which is designated as a special pay grade above E9. The holder of the position is the most senior enlisted member of the U.S. Navy, equivalent to the Sergeant Major of the Army, Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps, Master Sergeant Chief Petty Officer of the Coast Guard, and Chief Master Sergeant of the Space Force. So, Greg, what have we got for Steve and Valerie for playing our game today? For answering all those questions correctly, we have a set of four Dayton VA Industrial Strength Chip Clips <laughs> designed by NASA's aerospace engineers to keep your chips crisp on your next stellar space journey or wherever you may be traveling in the near future. All compliments all right, VA. fantastic. <laughs> well, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we hear more from uh, Steve and Valerie uh, about their experience with the Dayton VA. Our veterans put everything on the line to protect our freedom. We may never be able to repay them for their sacrifice, but we can show them just how much we appreciate all they've done. Every day, hundreds of people just like you volunteer to help our veterans. You can help by simply sharing your time, lending a warm smile, a supportive hand, or a sympathetic ear to someone who needs it. Everyone can do something to make our veterans know how much we appreciate their service. What will you do? The Dayton VA changed my life. There was a time I was jobless and homeless, didn't know where to turn for help. I felt like there was no hope for me. Then I learned about the Dayton VA. They helped me find the help I needed to get back on track. I received support, got a job, found a place to live. I got my life back. Don't wait another day to see how the VA may help you. I'm a vet, and it's my VA. Make it your VA today. To enroll, call 937-268-6511, extension 5336, or visit dayton.va.gov. This message is from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Veterans service organizations, often known as VSOs, offer many services for veterans and their families. To learn more, go to va.gov. So welcome back to Steve and Valerie, our wonderful guests. Um, I want to uh, first start by asking, uh, can you share a little bit about uh, your experience in the Navy as a nuclear engineer, Steve, and your deployment during Desert Storm? You know, 
Uh, tell us what uh, some of the challenges you faced during that time. Well, I was a nuclear engineer in the Navy, ran nuclear reactors, and I gotten a wizard during desert storm. One supposed to go in theater, but you got to see an Ellis and they said your ship going on the golf. I argued with them that it wasn't going on the golf. They said it was. So they sent me over to Bahrain, which is an island right up in Saudi Arabia in the Gulf. And I stayed there for about two, two and a half months. And then they said, hey, you're right. Your ship's not coming to the Gulf. And then they pulled me back there with Sicily. And I picked up my ship in the Mediterranean. I bet that. Yeah. And while I was in Bahrain, we went under air raid warnings and then bullet barracks access got blown up. We just had a lot of fun. I wanted to do something to serve um, the country. My grandfather was in there every during World War II. I had a uncle in Vietnam. It was just my turn to go help support the nation that I loved so much. So, Steve, tell us a little bit, if you could, um, uh, you were in Bahrain and you were in the, uh, the Persian Gulf area. Uh, and I believe you've told us uh, before that you had actually experienced uh, some uh, neurological issues uh, with your service there. Could you uh, tell us a little bit about what happened to you after returning from your uh, service in Desert Storm? Yeah, I'll, I'll let my wife tell you because sometimes people get a little too much rain. So Steve returned from Desert Storm and he had some numbness and tingling, but he didn't really seek any medical care for about two years. And I made him seek medical care when his face went numb and he had lots of slurred speech and loss of balance. Um, he had had some dental work done prior to that happening in November of 93. So we thought maybe the uh, facial numbness was related to that dental work. Uh, they did an MRI. And in December, we met with the neurologist who said, your brain lights up like a Christmas tree. Pretty sure you have MS. It's not dental related. And we're just going to do a small tap and confirm it. And then the small tap came back, Merry Christmas. We don't know what you have. Um, which started our journey, our 30 year journey that we're still on, on trying to figure out what's attacking Steve's central nervous system. Um, both his spine and his, all areas of his spine and his brain are affected with a demyelinating disease process. Um, he does not meet the criteria definitively for MS or for other neurological conditions. So we're still searching for an answer. So that must have been a huge shock for you when he came back and had those issues. And you did you collate it immediately to the military uh, service? Did you know that that's, that's where it came from? Or were you just uh, uh, struggling to find out why was he suffering? Well, initially, they were the Navy was very shocked 
because he's a nuclear engineer, there's some additional testing that they have to do because they know that radiation exposure can cause some neuro neurological problems and some cancers. And because of what he did in the Navy, uh, they actually sent him to the National Institutes of Health in D.C. in February of 1994, um, where the National Specialist on MS met with us and said it's not MS, have no idea what this is, but it is not recommended that you stay working with nuclear energy. So he went back to work. The Navy let him continue his career on limited duty until uh, March of 1995 uh, when they notified us we had 30 days <laughs> to be medically retired. So he was ten year, about 10 years into his career. Uh, had planned to do a full 20 or excess or exceed that full 20 actually um and they they said we're sorry uh it's too much of a risk um it, it was a struggle trying to to navigate all of that and in the mid 90s they didn't have the programming that they have today so they were not able to give us any idea of what to expect. You, you didn't get to file your VA claim before you got out. You didn't know where you were going to live. I mean, literally, we had no idea. In 30 days, Steve couldn't find a job. We had no idea that he could not work for a nuclear, for the Nuclear Regulatory Commission on the civilian side until after that had happened. Um, he went and applied to work at a nuclear power plant in Virginia, nearby where we were stationed. And they notified him that there's a 24-month uh, a window after you exit the military before you can work for the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. So he didn't even have a job waiting for him when he got out of the service. Um, we got desperate, and he called my mom, and he said, he, uh, seven kids, two dogs. Val and I, we need to come to Ohio. Can we come stay with you? My mom at the time lived in a two-bedroom house. So you can imagine how crowded 843 square feet becomes with, um, you know, 10 people living in a house. Um, he landed a really good job at Motoman Yaskawa uh, in West Carrollton. And he worked there for about seven years, during which time we received care both at the VA Medical Center and at Wright Pad Air Force Base. And then he, he also um, participated in research at the, let me see here, Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic, Ohio State University, uh, Mass General in Boston, the uh, Bethesda Naval Hospital, Johns Hopkins University, uh, University of Indianapolis, and um, to date, it's still a nobody knows. We set MRIs, spinal fluid, and blood work to five other countries, and still nobody really has a good handle on what is. Nobody knows. So we just continue to keep him working, and then in 2007, the most terrifying thing for me was in 2002 when his boss called me and notified me that he had fallen asleep in an electrical cabinet and I needed to come get him. And that 
is where our journey of Steve no longer being able to work began. And my caregiving stepped up. Um, at that point, I was already participating in the research advisory committees on Gulf War illness, trying to make sense of what was going on with my husband. So you all have been through some major challenges. So that's a lot any family member to have to endure. Uh, and you became his you know, full-time caregiver. Uh, did you turn anywhere for support for that? Were there any uh, programs that you uh, had support from so that you could be better caregiver to him? So I became a micromanager. I mean, I was a mom. At that point, I was a mom of eight kids. And I had to I had to do some driving for Steve. Most of the time I he could drive at that point um for about another year after he got out of the service or out of after he stopped working at, at Monoman. He could drive on his own long distance for about another year. Um but I was going to appointments with him. I was missing work. At that time I was working as a social worker um at a, a county agency. And so I was missing work, uh, missing kids things, farming my kids out to other people to be at appointments with Steve. We were traveling to, to get medical care, um, you know, just trying to navigate the system. And it was a challenge. It was a big challenge. Within the first 10 years of Steve getting out of the military between the Department of Defense, the VA and the civilian providers, Steve had collectively found himself on 49 prescription drugs a day. As a lot of drugs. By 2003, Christmas of 2003, he ended up in a wheelchair. And by 2005, he was a pharmaceutical zombie. And our marriage was falling apart. He was not parenting. He wasn't, he wasn't contributing to our family at all, really. And I was micromanaging everything. So he was miserable because I was controlling everything. I was miserable because he was doing nothing. And we separated for about six months, he went and lived with his parents in Maryland, uh, his mom being a registered nurse and working for the state of Maryland for the state nursing boards. Um, she had a pretty good grasp on what was going on, too. So she kind of took over in Maryland. I, I went back to school because I was dead set that I was going to figure out what was wrong with my husband. Uh, so I went back to college and got a degree in uh, healthcare with a minor in medical research and um and I spend my free time researching everything that I can because while there are no answers for my husband right now sometime there's going to be an answer and Absolutely. our experience is able to help other people so um 17 years ago Steve became plagued with the neurological condition that is horrific neurological condition a person can have and there is very little information about it there is no effective treat long-term treatment for it and it literally incapacitates my husband it's it's a horrific disease um, that is a result of the demyelinating disease and that's called trigeminal neuralgia and known in medical literature as the suicide nerve 
So that's a lot of family member to have to endure. Uh, and you became his, you know, full-time caregiver. Uh, did you turn anywhere for support for that? Were there any uh, programs that you uh, had support from so that you could be better caregiver to him? Well, um, my husband served in the wrong war era. So support for him was very limited um, until 2022. Uh, I will say that the, the VA established a caregiver support program in 2010 uh, with a general program for those of us who were not eligible for the comprehensive program. An employee at the Dayton VA Medical Center, Andrea Wingo, by far, is one of the best caregiver support coordinators I have ever dealt with. Compassionate, honest she can be very direct too and i like that about her because she holds us accountable and i love andrea for all that she does for the caregivers let me tell you bar none she's she is one of the best andrea provides trainings communication she is on it all the time one of absolute best employees i've ever worked with at the dayton va and um you said you got a lot of training and support and so forth, but, but what does the VA do for caregivers uh, to, to make them a better caregiver and, and to give them that they need? So the VA offers the VA offers support programming. So there are there are training sessions. There's opportunity just to meet as a group. Uh, prior to COVID, we were able to meet in person. We'd have luncheons, have guest speakers. Uh, now, Andrea uh, connects with the Memphis VA where they do online virtual trainings, and we have a lot of those. You can guarantee there's going to be at least one caregiver support opportunity a week and sometimes more. Um, and it's a good thing that there's more because I don't get to frequently participate because we have a lot of medical appointments. And so... Uh, just like last Friday, I wanted desperately to, to participate. Uh, two weeks ago, I was supposed to participate in a in an online training. And at the last minute, Steve's therapist had to show up and took too long. And I didn't get to go to that training. Um, but it, Andrea makes sure that we get multiple emails reminding us of the trainings and um we get registered for the trainings. We get materials delivered to our door. Let me tell you, if there's something you want to know, you contact your caregiver coordinator. They're going to get you the information. And if they don't have it, they'll find it. Well, that sounds like an amazing journey that you both have gone through. Uh, it, it's uh, it's a shame that we have, uh, have to uh, deal with those kinds of illnesses and uh, challenges that presented, but it sounds like you guys are thriving. We're going to take a quick break right now and talk a little bit more with uh, Steve and Valerie about the non-for-profit that they formed uh, in, in response to uh, their, their challenges in life. I was in the military. I didn't know that when I left, I was eligible for health care through the VA. I thought you had to be disabled or been wounded. Another vet told me I should check it out. Now I have the care I need at the Dayton VA. Don't wait another day to see how the VA may help you. I'm a vet and it's my VA. Make it your VA today. Call 
268-6511, extension 2159 to enroll or visit dayton.va.gov. This message is from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. If you're having a tough time or thinking about suicide, you're not alone, and there's hope. VA's Veterans Crisis Line has responders who listen and help. Many are veterans or have veteran family members and friends, so they're prepared to address your challenges. Don't wait. Dial 988, then press 1. We have with us today Steve and Valerie Molignick. Before we went to break, we were we were discussing as far as your experience as far as with the Dayton VA's caregiver support program. Now, Valerie, would you care to share with us about your nonprofit organization that you have also started to assist veterans? So in my jury as a as a caregiver. Um, kind of going back to my passion of social work, I saw an opportunity to take the whole health experience my husband and I have been through, um, and utilize our experience to provide hope to other people. Um, after my husband left his job and we separated and we came back together, we worked really hard to get weaned off of some of the medications find some of the best doctors in the VA system, which we use the VA system almost exclusively. Uh, Dayton VA has provided some exceptional care and what care that Dayton is able to use or offer. We have traveled down to Cincinnati for care. Community care has been a huge blessing and um, actually very easy to work through. Um, we wanted other people to know how that works and we wanted other people to understand that we know the VA has had a historical negative reputation and we want people to know that the VA actually has a good opportunity for them today um so I went back to school after my health care degree um I got a master's degree in public administration nonprofit to launch operation veteran and caregiver support um, our mission is to connect our veterans and their families to the resources that they have earned and are available to them, empowering them to use those resources in an effort to transform their quality of life. My husband isn't in a wheelchair anymore 24-7. He's not on 49 prescription drugs anymore. Um, he is still on some medications, and he still has to use some adaptive equipment and sometimes even a wheelchair. But there's hope. And when you work collectively together with your VA system, with your local nonprofits and local businesses, you can work to improve your quality of life. And we're proof of that. We we have our marriage back on track. And um and we have a I would say a pretty good quality of life. We've also, through that process, developed a great support network. And in doing all of those things, coupled with the, the services that are available to us, both as a caregiver and as a veteran, um, we can enjoy life. We can get up today and know that tomorrow's still going to be a good day. No matter how bad the day may be, there's something good in it. And so Operation Veteran and Caregiver Support gives us that platform and that opportunity to teach others how to navigate the system, how to obtain the services, 
and how to find that balance in life again. And it gives us a sense of purpose. The great thing is that I can do that from home. I can do that from the car. I have done that from the VA Medical Center emergency room. Um, as a matter of fact, December of 2022, my husband uh, suffered a surgical injury, uh, a stroke as a result of brain surgery. I was driving home from the Cincinnati area with him in the car, assisting a veteran caregiver with a crisis situation, driving home from that um it, it's for me it's a it's a challenge that i i embrace and for steve he's just kind of along for the ride to say hey guys trust the system it really does work even when it doesn't feel like it just give it time uh, am i i'm putting words in your mouth i'm sorry <laughs> yep um you know no this is a you know this is a really amazing story uh you know all that you do for uh fellow veterans and family members uh it is terrific uh that you guys are so dedicated and so giving uh you know you mentioned relying on the Dayton VA and Cincinnati VA uh services for healthcare needs uh tell us if you can what is it about VA services that you find particularly valuable in addressing war-related illnesses and injuries? That's the key phrase right there, addressing war-related illnesses and injuries. What is different from being in the VA system versus on the civilian side, and believe me, we get a lot of community care, so we're on the civilian side for a lot of Steve's care, unfortunately. And I say unfortunately because the difference between civilian providers and VA providers is civilian providers treat people from all walks of life, from all areas of life, and they don't have the training, specialized training, onboarded, available to them 24-7. They don't have access openly to the war-related illness injury study centers, research advisory committees. They don't have access to that. So... VA providers, they understand the complexities or are more likely to understand the complexities of war-related illness and injury because they're only seeing that population of people. So they're able to concentrate and see, hey, you know what? We have a cluster of, of veterans that have prostate cancer that were all in Vietnam in this one region, or we have this group of post 9-11 veterans that are all sick with gastrointestinal issues from Iraq that is exactly like the guys from Desert Storm that were in Iraq. That's the blessing of being in the VA system is that we have the ability as providers to identify those clusters, those, those service-connectable related conditions. It is so imperative that people understand the value of that. And I want to throw something in here. This is kind of off that topic, but it's important to that topic. Um, when I'm talking to veterans and their families about the importance of, be, of getting enrolled in the VA Medical Center, this is very important that people get enrolled because that allocates funding to your region. When you're not enrolled, the VA doesn't know if you live there or not. So they don't know that. VA Medical Center, whether or not you're eligible for services right now, someday I promise you, you will be. And you're going to need them 
and the care is there. Yes. All right. Terrific. So, so you guys have such a great story. You're, you know, you're such caring, giving individuals. You have not let those challenges overwhelm you, uh, and and you still go out and help others. Um, to that point, I'm going to ask you. Uh, you've given a lot of great advice to everyone, but I'm going to ask you one last time. This this is your chance to say, if you if you're going to tell your fellow veterans and family members and caregivers out there. Um, what you need to do, what would, what would be the one bit of advice to take away uh, and uh, of how to handle these challenges in life? So family and friends, extended family and friends should be aware of caregiver burnout, be aware of veteran burnout. They see that a veteran is struggling and the spouse and the veteran are in conflict. Step in and offer to give the spouse a day out for a lunch. Take over and, and hang out with that veteran for an hour. Give them a, an hour apart. What that does is it creates a kind of a, an environment of independence of sort where the veteran gets the their space, the caregiver gets their space. Go offer to do some grocery shopping. Maybe you want to go vacuum for the for the veteran of the caregiver. You know, I had a, a gentleman contact me about a, a widow of a veteran who is unable to get her grass mowed and her grandson is unavailable to get the grass mowed. Could we find somebody to do that? Offer to lend that hand to your neighbor. Go mow their grass. Don't ask them for $20 for gas. Just offer to do it. Be kind. Be kind. Be compassionate. And, and be grateful that that our men and women were willing to, to lay their life down for this nation. Um, I'm not saying that they should be given everything for free and everything handed to them, but especially when they get into these disabilities and they get into their later years in life, um, they need that additional support from the community. You know, churches can assist. They could can, they could develop action teams at churches that, you know, veteran needs a ramp installed and they're lacking funding. Raise the money to help them get a ramp installed because the VA may not be able to provide that for them based on their disabilities. Or maybe they just need that that extra love, a bowl of soup. Absolutely. So I'm going to also uh, give a, a bit of advice and tell our listeners that if you are looking for that kind of help and that kind of support, uh, you can go to our, our website, that's www.dayton.va.gov. There you will find information about enrollment if you're not currently enrolled with the VA. Um, and if you are or are planning to enroll, you can also find information about the caregiver support program that we were talking about, along with all the other many, many services that the VA offers. But yes, I just want to thank you guys guys very much for the time that you spent with us today. You know, our, it's, it's wonderful, absolutely fantastic to hear stories like yours. You know, uh, uh, Steve, Valerie, uh, thank you so much for sharing the time and your story with us. It's so great to hear inspirational stories like yours uh, from veterans and their family and their caregivers. Thanks for having us. I, I mean, I can't, I can't lie. We've had our challenges, but those challenges just make us stronger and make us work harder and and give us really honestly they give us the ability to live you know we had a decision to make in 2005 we had to decide if we were going to let steve's 
disease process continued to define us and destroy our marriage and our family, or if we were going to start to define it. And that right there, that was the changing point for us. And that's the biggest thing I want to tell all couples going through everything. Do not let the disease define them. Define the disease and live your life the way you all wish to live it. It won't be easy, but it will be worth it. This is a message from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. If you were exposed to toxic substances while serving in the military, a new law called the PACT Act may make you eligible for additional benefits and care. The PACT Act benefits veterans of the Vietnam era, Gulf War era, and post 9-11 era who were exposed to toxic fumes, burn pits, Agent Orange, radiation, and other environmental hazards. Survivors of toxic exposed veterans and veterans who served in specific countries in Africa, the Middle East, and Southwest Asia are also potentially eligible. Learn more about the PACT Act by going to va.gov pact or by calling 1-800-MY-VA-411. We at VA are here for you, and we're ready to get you the care and benefits you've earned and deserve. I'm Mike Richmond. We want to say thanks again to our special guests for taking time today to share their story. We truly enjoy hearing stories from veterans from across the region and learning more about how they found care through the Dayton VA Medical Center. And as always, we want to thank our listeners for joining us and remind them if they are a veteran and are not enrolled to enroll with the Veterans Health Administration to receive health care benefits through the Dayton VA Medical Center. It's easy and it doesn't cost a thing. You just need to be a veteran. The simplest way to start enrollment is to call our enrollment and eligibility office at 937-268-6511, extension 4105. They can schedule an appointment for you to come to the Dayton campus or help make an appointment at one of the surrounding community-based outpatient clinics located at Springfield, Richmond, Lima, and Middletown. Again, that number is 937-268-6511, extension 4105. Veterans may also enroll by visiting www.choose.va.gov slash health. While there, you can choose from applying online or by phone or by mail. It's just that simple, really. As I said before, it doesn't cost a thing to apply. So what are you waiting for? Call us today. Or if you know of a veteran who is not enrolled, have them call to start taking advantage of this benefit. If you're a veteran, it's your VA. Sign up today. Join us again for another episode of My VA Dayton with the Dayton VA Medical Center. Our episodes drop the 1st and 15th of each month. I'm Scott Lease with your co-host, Greg Tucker. Thanks again for listening to My VA Dayton.